0: Well, hello. Good to see you all. It's always a blessing when uh, my back is to you and I have no idea who has been filling up the room and so awesome to see you. (laughs) It is uh, incredible that here we are. Sorry. (laughs) Here we are the last study of our season. Sometimes it felt like we weren't going to get here there were so many things happening in this last year that it just seemed like i don't know if we're going to be able to finish this of course we felt like that last year too right last season but god is faithful and when he starts something he finishes it right so here we are to finish so let's go before the lord um so that i can unwrap this gift of peace for you tonight and i need it big time right now so let's pray Father, we bow before you, my God, and my King, and my Lord, and my Savior, and my friend. Bow before you, Lord. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just remind me of the things that you've been showing me. And I pray that, Lord, I can speak on your behalf only because I believe that you're here. That's the only way I can do it, especially on this so important gift, peace. So, Lord, may you, Holy Spirit, please um, take over. I can't do this without you. I love you and I praise you. And I thank you for these amazing ladies that you have blessed in, me with in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, before I unwrap this amazing gift of peace, I'd like to take you back to where we began our series, just to remind you of all the treasures that we have in Jesus. So please turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter four. We're going to look at verses seven through eleven. This is our theme passage for our series, Gifts for Giving. And tucked into it um, is verse ten, which is our theme verse. I'm going to use the New Living Translation because I want to make sure. It's It's very clear for everyone to understand. So beginning at verse 7, Peter writes, The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest or serious and disciplined or watchful in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Don't forget that one. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve yourself. No, use them well to serve others. And do you do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Then do it with all the strength An energy of an energy drink. No, do it with the energy that God supplies. That even everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. This was Peter's prayer for the whole church. Past, present, and future. Now, I'm sure Peter had no idea how far this letter would travel through time, but our omniscient God surely knew, and that's why the Holy Spirit inspired him to write this incredible letter that we have before us. And then I added to this list of gifts that Peter gave us, the list that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Colossian church in chapter 3, verses 12 through 17, if you like to turn there, Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. He wrote to the church, starting in verse 12, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, I love that he called us holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, which is patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If any has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, you, so you must do. So it wasn't a request, it was a command. We must forgive others as Christ has forgiven us. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. The glue that holds us together as the body of Christ. The glue that holds us together with the Lord. The love of Christ in us. Verse 15, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. I love that. Always remember to be thankful to all that the Lord has done. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Now we have had a variety of teachers up here because and with different ways that we bring the message the word of God because we all have different personalities right just like the apostles had different personalities but we all came with one message from one book the holy word of God and from the wisdom that comes from the word of God and the wisdom that he has poured into us as we have grown and matured in the word of God and that is the only thing well, Jesus and the Holy Spirit that qualifies us in any way to even get up here because we, we have sat before the Lord and we bring to you what the Holy Spirit gives us to admonish you. Now, our ladies worship team brought us to the throne room of God with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with grace that's been poured into their hearts. And so we have had the privilege of being drawn into the throne room of God through worship and praise. Thank you, ladies. Thank you, teachers. Thank you all to the servants of God and to all of you ladies that have come faithfully to hear God speak in us and through us. We have benefited all together in these great things from the Lord. And then it goes on to verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. So even though it's been a challenge for us to come, you know, throughout this whole COVID season as well, we've come. And so, Lord, I thank you. I think this is about to fall. <laughs> Sorry. thank you for your obedience. Now, I want to remind you that Peter and Paul listed these gifts with the understanding that they are to be given to others in the midst of living in the last days. When Peter and Paul wrote these letters to the churches in Ephesus and Colossus, they, along with the body of Christ, were experiencing persecution and imprisonment for spreading the gospel. They were being ostracized by their families and their communities. Many of them lost their jobs, their homes, and even their lives for not denouncing Jesus. Yet Paul and Peter kept encouraging the church to live godly and to not grow weary in doing good. And so all of these gifts are just important today as they were to the the disciples back in their time. So we are not to stop or give up. It continues forward. The gospel will always continue forward because God promised that it would. Now, for the most part, anyone can bring these gifts to the world. In fact, we've seen it over the last year and a half. Countless people exercising these gifts. Love and grace and tender mercies, kindness, hospitality, stability. I think that was a really big one that we saw over these months. Stability, all with great sacrifices. And when I think of sacrifice, I think of all of the first responders, doctors, nurses, and EMTs that are out there, how they sacrificed their own well-being to go and take care of the ill in the hospitals, in the emergency wards, hauling them into the ambulances. That was a great sacrifice, because then they had to go home, right? They had to go home. And were they infected? And then I also think about the grocery store clerks. Remember, we couldn't even go to the market. But then they opened. How scary was that? People had to go around and, well, they let the elderly go first. That was good. <laughs> I took advantage of that when I could. And, but yet people were coming in. They didn't know who was coming in. Some of the rebellious without their masks. And so they were there to meet our needs. What about Instacart people? <laughs> did anybody use Instacart? I did. I think that service was born out of covid i don't know maybe it was before maybe people could do that i don't know i never did but i remember when i called i I didn't know what i was doing and and this lady had to go shopping for me she went shopping and i gave her a list and and then i saw you know she let me know i'm here and i went out and she's all gowned up and everything with my food my groceries i'm like thank you instacart lady thank you and what about the restaurant owners and all that they had to pour into their businesses to keep them alive and their employees working. They had to improvise in in ways that they never had to do. They might have had a little umbrella and a table out in front, but now they had to put canopies and all these things that they had to do with money they barely had. I remember the first meal I, I had, I didn't have to cook. I think it was in May. Remember, everything started in March. It wasn't until May that I got a wet burrito from Casa Taquito in my neighborhood. Oh, my gosh. We were scared. Like, gosh, should we eat this? They came out to the car. They're masked. We're masked. And they hand it off like they're handing off something illegal. And then we go home. And, oh, my goodness. Thank you, Casa Taquito. The best burrito ever, (laughs) especially because I didn't have to cook it. And then what about all the truck drivers, the Amazon trucks, the UPS trucks, the Ashley trucks, the drivers? I'd see them going up and down my street. Wow, people are getting stuff. (laughs) These truck drivers, what a sacrifice, having to load up their trucks and get these things out to us, trying to keep their businesses alive trying to keep us happy as we are all locked down, right? So ladies and gentlemen that did all these things for us, thank you. I prayed for you. I prayed for all of you because I know, I mean, I know there's some of you here that had to do these things, and so I prayed for you. Now, I know it's their job, and they're getting paid to do it, we are all human and under the pressure of everything that we had gone through in the midst of trying to do these essential services we can be crushed emotionally physically spiritually and financially i don't know how people do it without the holy spirit how can they go on in reality they can't we run out we run out of these compassions and these desires They get tired and they grow weary. Now, we've gotten the vaccine. Has it fixed our world? Did they inject peace and love into us? Is it wiping out fear and anger and rage and cruelty and division in our country? Not that I've seen. In fact, it's gotten worse. So what does the world really need? What is our greatest need? Well, the greatest need is a Savior, a Savior that can come with what we really need, and that is peace, peace within. We strive for peace in many ways. We fight for peace that we desperately need for in the world with wars and battles. We might even shop for peace. We may even eat for peace. We may even sleep for for peace. We may even be promiscuous for peace, but it's never fulfilling in the end. It always ends, you em- leaves you empty and wanting more because it was never meant to be that way. The Prince of Peace is where we're to draw our peace, our greatest peace, and our greatest need. Now, this gift of peace has probably been one of my most difficult subjects to teach on and to prepare to teach on. I was struggling with it. You see, I can't tell you that the moment I accepted Jesus as my Savior, that I immediately opened up the box of this piece that I'm talking about, and I started wearing it for the last 48 years. No, I didn't. In fact, it took me at least a third of my life walking with the Lord before I realized what my greatest need was. And it couldn't come from my husband. It couldn't come from my job. I did work. And it didn't come from my friends or even my children that I begged God for. They blessed me tremendously, but that's not where my greatest blessing came from. And it surely wasn't from stuff. In Job 22, I'm sorry, I learned that the greatest um, gift of all that I would should be seeking would be peace. And that you have to unwrap it daily in prayer and in the abiding life with the Lord in his word. Job twenty-two twenty-one 21 says, submit to God and you will have peace. Then things will go as well as you like. Listen to his instructions and store them in your heart. The word of God is to be stored in our heart. And we are to be looking to him for our peace. Now, A.W. Tozer, who has been in heaven for quite some time, awesome teacher, said, Prayer cannot be taught. It can only be done. Well, this is well the same um, as well as with the gift of peace from God. Now, I'll do my best tonight with the help of the Holy Spirit to help you understand what perfect peace is where it comes from, how to receive it, and how we can share it or at least demonstrate it to others. But the truth is, the peace that we all desire, that we all desperately need, has to be experienced to the fullest degree the way Jesus intended it to be, and that is personally. The personal receiver of it. So you see, if I were to tell you, and give you all of my experiences, how I experienced this perfect peace with the Lord? You may be happy for me, but can you live in my peace, my story? No. You can hopefully watch the peace of God in me through my actions and my reactions to the peace hackers in this world. But the peace of God that he wants to give us is a personal soul gift that nobody on earth, or anything could ever give you. The peace of God comes directly from God. It comes as a reward to those who diligently and persistently seek him. Hebrews eleven six. 6. Those who purpose in their hearts to stay in that continual presence of God. Now, if you recall last week when I spoke on prayer, um, I had said that peace, with, I'm sorry I had some said some of these things about prayer last week the fact is that prayer and peace go together and if I were to retitle this message I would be calling it praying without ceasing produces peace unending now prayer to me the way I see it in this regard is like an engagement ring and peace is the wedding band. When these two come together in the sight of God, a marriage made in heaven is being consummated, or being made complete. We are not complete, but we are being made complete. We are called the bride of Christ. The Holy Spirit is preparing us here on earth for our Heavenly Father, for our our groom, Jesus, for that place that he's been preparing for us, he wants us to be able to move in and fit in perfectly. Now, have you watched that show, HGTV, where they show how people go in and, and renovate houses and they typically send the family away so that they could go in and, and they just gut it and they redo the whole thing? And then the family comes back and they go, Wow! so beautiful. It's so perfect. Well, that is what the Lord is doing with us. He's renovating us. He doesn't want us to go up into a perfect heaven in all of our sinfulness and all of our flaws. He's perfecting us. Now, when I think of a purpose-driven life, to obey all of God's commands and to stay in that constant presence of God through prayer, I think of Daniel. Daniel in the Old Testament Daniel was a man of faith wholeheartedly committed to obey God's every commands in everything even in what he ate to the point of even death it was his daily practice to pray to God morning, noon and night and then I'm sure in between those times of prayer his mind was always on one day I'll get back to my homeland and that homeland was in Jerusalem He was being held captive in Babylon. Babylon was a very carnal and depraved empire. Now, the king of Babylon knew Daniel, and he liked Daniel. He recognized that there was goodness in him. But there were others in the kingdom that hated Daniel. They hated Daniel because he represented everything that they were not. Isn't that the way it is in, in our time? There are people that hate everything that we stand for. And they are pushing and pushing and pushing for us to stop standing our ground on the things that we believe in, that we stand on, that are in the Word of God. And I remember very clearly, and I will say her name, Hillary Clinton, several years back when she was running for president, she was being interviewed and she said, Christians have to change the way they think about abortion. And I thought, And she said more. How dare her. It's not about what I think. It's about what I'm obeying. That she wanted us to change our thinking. Well, no vote for me. Not like I was going to. But anyone that doesn't stand on the principles of God's word, how can you vote for those that don't? I mean, that uh, yes, that don't stand on God's principles. So these guys hated Daniel, and they wanted to kill him. So they conspired. How can we do it? Well, they knew that Daniel would not bend to anyone. He had already proven it by not even eating what the king would eat. And so they came up with a law. And they went to the king, and they said, you know, you need to make a law. You need to make a a decree that if they don't bow to you, that they must die. And so the king, you know, he was probably, well, yeah, whatever. Okay, go ahead. And he signs it. Forgetting about Daniel. So they tricked the king. And they made this law that would ultimately want to kill Daniel. It worked. He would not bow. Remember, he would not bow to any king except for the king of kings and the lord of lords. And so where did he end up? They ended up putting him in a lion's den. And they Starved these lions so that when the lions went in, the first thing they would do is they'd run up to him and they'd just devour him. In the foyer, I don't know if you saw it, but I have a picture out there that I left. I wanted you to see it. If you if you can't tonight, or if you didn't already, see it on your way out. But I found this picture years ago at an antique store. And the artist was brilliant in how he depicted Daniel in the lion's den. If you can't see it obviously if you're not here you can google it and you'll just google Daniel and the lions den. it's the picture where he's facing the lions with his hands folded behind his back and gently tied now when you look closely at these faces of the lions some of them look humbled some look fearful some look stunned and some are bowing at the sight of Daniel all while Daniel is standing tall perfect peace. He's not cowering in a corner or rolled up in a ball trying to hide his vital organs. He's completely surrendered to the perfect will of God. In this picture, I see faith and trust in the Almighty God. Now, listen to what the king of this pagan city said to Daniel. He kind of snuck down to where they were holding him. In Daniel 6.16, he said, Daniel, your God, whom you serve, continually he will deliver you. Now, he didn't say that facetiously. He meant it. How could a king of a pagan city say these things in faith, really, to this man? It was because of Daniel's witness, his witness. Then, of course, the creator of heavens and earth, what did he do? I believe, you know, because God is in control of everything. He said to the lions, peace be still. Leave him alone. He's mine. He's mine. And so the lions, you see their faces. It's just incredible. They look so obedient to God's word, to their creator. And then the king went down and realized he's alive. He's alive. So he said in Daniel 6, 26-27, this is the pagan king. I make a decree in, in every dominion of my kingdom. Men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed. And his dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues. And he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. Who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? Glory to God. That is what he is saying. All glory to God. Now, can you see in this story how a consistent, righteous life can turn people to faith in God? That's what this season is all about. Our holiness as a light to this dark world to turn people to Jesus Christ. So with this vision in your minds of the Old Testament, I could probably stop right here. I've given you the way to go to God for peace. But even Daniel would say, oh no, you need to tell them about Jesus. Did you, do you know that thousands of years ago, before the Prince of Peace was born, that Daniel saw the future? God allowed him to see Jesus in his glory. In Jeremiah 33.3, 3, this is God asking us to call to him in prayer. He said, call to me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you do not know. God wants you to see powerful, incredible things. He wants you to be a part of all that he wants to blow you away with. He's still the same God as he was in the Old Testament. Now, we have a whole and complete Bible. And the full counsel of God. We have the Old Testament and the New Testament along with these incredible letters that the the apostles wrote. Which we call epistles. That were inspired by the Holy Spirit. And how to live in Christ till he returns. So with all of this said, let's see how the same God of the Old Testament is the same God in the New Testament. And how we can receive and enter into God's peace. Now, first, again, I've already said these things, but I am just, I am pounding them into your hearts. Now, where does perfect peace come from? Well, the first step and most important step is to realize that true peace comes from God the Father through Jesus Christ. Now, in the Old Testament, in God's mysterious plan to reconcile men to himself because they were separated because of sin. Sin separates us from God. He gave the Old Testament believers a way to approach a holy God. He gave them priests to, be, to mediate between himself and man, along with the law of Moses that they had to obey. Of course, in time, the, the Hebrew people they were so afraid to break the Ten Commandments that they kept adding commandments to make sure they, they didn't break this commandment and this commandment, and it got to be such a burden. It was hard for them to obey hardly any of them. They were really oppressed by the law. And he also gave them through blood animal, through sacrifices of animals by their blood to atone for their sins. So there had to be blood involved. It's a long message in itself. But this is how God um, gave them a way to come to a hope, to himself. He also gave them the promise of a redeemer one who could save them once and for all, sparing all of those precious little lambs. Now, this was the promise of Christmas. In Isaiah 7, 14 through 15, it says, I'm sorry, 7, 14 through 15, look, the virgin will conceive a child and she will give birth to a son and will call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And then Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So the heroes of faith, like Daniel, faithfully obeyed God's commands and waited patiently for this prophecy to be fulfilled. And then in Hebrews 11, through 2. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. The elders being these men, the prophets, Moses, Elijah, go down the list of all these great men of God in the Old Testament. Then in Hebrews 11, 13 through 16, it says, these all died in faith, not having received the promises but have seen them afar off and were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind the country from which, which they had come out, where they originally started out as they were journeying to the promised land, would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better That is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And it is the same city that he's prepared for us. Now, Jesus had said, Occupy till I come. These men of the Old Testament and the New Testament, they stayed busy in the Lord. Not busy bodies, but busy in the Lord, serving the Lord. They were conquerors. The word tells us that we are more than conquerors because of Jesus. So they were always waiting and looking for the second coming of the Lord. Then came Christmas morning, 4,000 years later. Talk about patience, waiting. In Luke 2, 9 through 12, it says, Behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. These are the shepherds in the field. And the glory of the Lord showed around them. And they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. All people. All people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And they called his name Jesus. Jesus is from the that comes from the Hebrew name Yahshua, which means Jehovah is salvation. And then listen to Colossians 1, 15-20. Colossians 1, 15-20. Jesus Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Nobody could see him, but now they can in Jesus Christ. He existed before anything was created. He is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything. And in the heavenly realms and on earth, he made the things we can see and the things we can't see such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was recreated through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. He is the glue that keeps things together still because of his love. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. That's us. He is the beginning supreme, beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead, Why? Because he rose to heaven first. So he is first in everything. For God in all of his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Now I'm thankful that you all sang about the cross tonight. When I think of the cross, I'm a very, very visual person. I need to see things. And so I see the cross. You know, you have the, the piece of wood that goes up and the two pieces of wood that go out. Well, the piece that's in the earth, that's the earth. The top of it points to heaven. One side is the Old Testament. This side is the New Testament. The promise of the Messiah, the Redeemer, Jesus Christ, brings them together, the old saints, the New Testament saints, which is us, here on earth, takes us to heaven. That's the way I see the cross. Now, secondly, how can we receive God's perfect peace? Well, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. That's John 14, 6. Jesus also said, in me you may have peace. That's John 16, And then in John 14, 27, Jesus said, My peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. Do they give us peace? Not really. But I give you peace. Let not your heart be troubled. Let not, let not it be afraid. Now, in our study on the gift of prayerfulness, I had said, and I'll say it again if you are in Christ, then Christ is in you. That puts you in the constant presence of God, where his divine peace frees slowly from the throne of God to us, through Jesus Christ. That's in Revelation 7, 17. Now, if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, you are just one prayer away from receiving what this world cannot give and when nothing in this world can give you. Peace with God. No matter how you are, how old you are, whatever you've done in life, things that may be consuming you from the inside out, God will forgive you. In fact, in Romans 10, 9, 11, it says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And isn't that what we need? We need to be saved. We need to be saved from this world. We need to be saved from ourselves. We need to be saved. And the Lord does that for us all the time. And on top of salvation, you get this peace that I'm trying so hard to describe. It's really indescribable. But you get this peace. And then along with peace, you get grace. Mercy, like I said, constant forgiveness, truth. Gosh, are people trying to give us all these fake truths? But he gives you the real truth, and he gives you wisdom. And the, the list of gifts goes on and on and on. Now, thirdly, how can we, the church, as individuals, experience uninterrupted peace in the Lord? Well, like Daniel um, demonstrated it, like he demonstrated it. Well, the first and foremost is that you have to make Jesus the Lord of your life. He has to be your Lord. He wants to be preeminent. He wants to be number one. Everything else is second, third, and down the list. He is to be number one. Paul has said that we are to be watchful in our prayers. Our praise, ourselves. We need to be watchful of ourselves. Now, is it well with your soul? Are you in a good position in your soul? You know, the thief is out there to kill you, to rob your peace, to rob your joy. He's out there. Paul said, let this peace of God rule in your hearts. The Holy, When you accepted Jesus as your Savior, the Holy Spirit came in. He's part of the triune God. He wants to sit on the heart of our, on the throne of our hearts. He wants us to reverence him in all that we do and all that we are. Isaiah 26:3-4 says, "You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for in Yahweh the Lord is everlasting strength." And then in Philippians 4, 6 through 7, Paul wrote, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, everything, by prayer and supplication. And what is supplication? More prayer. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So in this place that we could be, in this anxious place in our spirits, in our souls, in this place of fear or whatever it is that's, the enemy is trying to take you out of that perfect peace with the Lord. He wants us to be in prayer and he wants us to be thankful. Thankful about whatever it is we're going through because we know that all good all good things were all things work for good to those who love him, right? So whatever it is we're going through, be thankful. Like, okay, I know, Lord, you're going to de- just develop more peace in me, more of the gifts in me. You're going to develop them. He says, and then let your requests be made known to God, whatever those requests are. Sometimes I'll pray for my, my appliances that aren't working. Right now, I, I'm hearing a leak in my walls. I'm like, Lord, not now. I'm going to have to address that next week. Um, but I am not going to let it distract me from what matters most, right? Coming to the Lord and coming to you with his word. But I, So I pray over my walls, Lord. Pull back that week. <laughs> and then it says, and when you do these things, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, all understanding. It's one of those Grand Canyon promises. We can't get it. We can't understand it. It's so vast But there's a peace that will come over us that will guard our hearts and our minds through Jesus Christ. Now, I have this little book, and I want to read to you something out of it. Um, my sister-in-law gave me this book, Streams in the Desert. I, I hope you all have it. If you don't, you really need to get your own copy. But she gave this book to me at the beginning of my fight with cancer. She, somebody gave it to her when she lost her only son. And I can see why they passed on this incredible book. It's, it's got scripture with tender encouragement to rise up in your trials, to rise up to bless others. On January 11th, it says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Store up comfort. This was the prophet Isaiah's mission. The world is full of hurting and comfortless hearts. But before you will be um, be competent for this lofty ministry, you must be trained. Sorry, I can't see with my glasses on. You must be trained. And your training is extremely costly for to make it complete. You too must endure the same afflictions that the wringing countless hearts of tears and blood. Consequently, your own life becomes the hospital ward where you are taught the divine art of comfort. You will be wounded So that in the binding up your wounds by the great physician, you may learn how to render first aid to the wounded everywhere. Do you wonder why you are having to experience some great sorrow? Over the next 10 years, you will find many others afflicted in the same way. And I'm not kidding you. It's been 10 years. You will tell them how you suffered and were comforted. As the story unfolds, God will apply the anesthetic he once used on you for them. Then in the eager look, then in the eager look followed by the gleam of hope that chases the shadow of despair from the shallow, I mean from the soul, and you shall know that you are afflicted. And you will bless God for the discipline that filled your life with such treasure to experience the helplessness. God comforts us not to make us comfortable, but to make us comforters. Now, if you are struggling in your soul, remember that God wants to do more with it. He wants to bless you through it. He wants to grow you up in it and develop incredible faith in you. But he also wants to use it for his glory. And it is a blessing when you can, when, when somebody tells me, you know, I just found out I have cancer. I know how to pray with them now. Before, I would, I would just pray with them. But now I know what they have to go through step by step. And so it's good. It all is good. Then in verses 8 through 9, um, he says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and good. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all that you learned and received in me. Now, not me, but Paul. He was a great example of a man that once he came to the Lord, he never turned around He kept going. And everything that you heard from me and saw in me doing... Then the God of peace will be with you. Now, this is the vaccine for anxiety and fear. Keeping your eyes fixed on the Lord. If you are built on the rock, which is Jesus Christ, then you will survive any storm or battle that you might be facing. This is God's promise to us. And if you haven't been in a storm that has really rocked your life, it's coming. I'm telling you, it's coming. Jesus said you will have trials and tribulations. But count it as an opportunity to show the lost how the Lord fights for us or with us, but never against us. And remember Daniel. God let him go as far as facing the lions. He could even smell them and probably even count their teeth. That's how far the Lord will take you in your faith. And what did he do? He delivered him. Now, <clears throat> where was Paul when he wrote these letters? He was in prison. He was in prison, counting it all a joy. And a year years ago, I was at the Berean Christian bookstore, and uh, I was looking for greeting cards, and I found this card, and I had to buy it for myself. It's a picture of Paul and Silas in prison. And a uh, Silas says to Paul, do you know any good songs? And he says, how about I lift my hands to the Lord? Because why? They were shackled. Their arms were already lifted, so we might as well sing, I lift my arms to the Lord. They counted that as an opportunity to praise the Lord. We are to be praising the Lord. Along with prayer, we are to be worshiping him and singing praises to him. It helps to lift us out of these that we would go. Now, I don't know about you but when I'm going in anytime I'm in my car, I I tune into Christian radio. I listen to worship. Especially if I'm on my way to a doctor's appointment or some test that I have to do. I blast it and I'm just either rocking out or worshiping. I love Toby Matt. He he gets me rocking in the car. There's a new song, or at least I just heard, Help is on its way. Have you heard that? Oh, so incredible. Help is on its way. It is. So, tune in to worship. If you're not at home and able to read and worship in private, then stay tuned in to the Lord in your car or in whatever means you have. Secondly, how can we demonstrate God's peace to the world? Now, I heard a statistic not too long ago that Christianity is shrinking. And it's growing, it's shrinking by at least 20% in our country. Now, is this true? Well, they might be saying it, hoping that if they could get people to think, well, the church is shrinking, well, whatever, I might as well give up on it too and just walk away from your faith. Or is it true? Now, Pastor Joe is starting the book of Acts, and we're going to see a great love relationship bloom in the early church through the Holy Spirit. The church grew by leaps and bounds. And then you go on, as you go on a little further into the book of Acts, you start to see issues. You start to see the old man come back into the picture. That multitude of sins started creeping back into the church. Now, um, Rita had mentioned her study about being a people watcher. People are watching us, and I'm a people watcher. I've always been probably all my life, and that's probably why the Lord put me in the ministry of sheep people watching. But I have watched the church since I was 19, looking for examples. How do you live this Christian life? I mean, I was taught early on to always look up, always look up, so I was always looking for the signs of the times, right? But then there came a point where we're like, all right, he hasn't come back yet. He hasn't come back yet. So now what do I do? I, I, I'm i not able to do this in the faith. I'm not able to do that. So I had to start learning how to walk my faith in this world. So I watched people. And unfortunately, as the world sees us often as a bunch of hypocrites and liars, um, I've seen it over the years. I've seen it. It's heartbreaking. And sometimes, In these years, I've looked into the mirror of God's Word, and I see that I am too. We aren't supposed to be looking at everyone. We're supposed to be looking at us, right? What about you? And I would examine myself in the Word of God. How am I doing, Lord? Thank God. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the fact that you convicts us. So don't be caught off guard, ladies. Don't become or stay if you already are a grudger someone that holds a grudge let it go don't be a gossiper don't be a peace hacker for ones that always like finding ways it, 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 I don't know how it happens but saints do this Christians do shoot their wounded and it's not a good witness it doesn't make people want to come to a place where they hear all these kinds of things that maybe we're spilling out onto our children And on to friends. Like, why do I need to go there? I don't need that kind of stuff in my life. I have enough of it out here. So we need to be mindful of the fact that we represent the King of Kings. Now, in spite of what we do or don't do, the gospel will move forward with us or without us. The church um, just had another victory in the news. I don't know if you heard it. But the Supreme Court has looked closely at the Constitution, and they decided, finally, that it is unlawful to shut down churches, places of worship. That is a victory for the church in the current times that we're living in. Count it all a victory when we are not shut down, because I believe a day is coming that we will be. In Matthew sixteen thirteen 13-19, Jesus asked his disciples, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And so they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. So see, they were comparing Jesus with these great men of God because Jesus was doing great things. And then he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And that's a question that I want you to hear in your heart and your mind daily. Who do you say that I am today? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus said, I also say to you that you are Peter. He knew exactly who Peter was and what he was going to be a little bit down the road. He says, and on this rock, not the rock Peter, but the rock of truth, that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. That was what Jesus was going to build his church on. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So, as I said, the church moves on. Finally, in closing our season, I want to say to the world, not to Christians, but to the world, we are by no means perfect. We are sinners saved by grace, but we serve a perfect God and a perfect Savior who is patient with us. And His holy, perfect Spirit convicts us of our sins and our failures to represent him in all of his holiness forgive us world if we've given you the wrong impression of who Jesus is and forgive us Lord but one thing he will never do in his love for us is he will never cancel us so if you are being canceled let Jesus add you to the family Father, I thank you, my God, for your love and your grace and mercy and your peace. I pray, Father, that as we finish this season, that your name has been lifted up. And you said, Jesus, if your name is lifted up, that you will draw all men to you. And so, Lord, I pray for this world, Lord, that is living in darkness, that is trying every means possible to find peace. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will show them the way to Jesus, to the cross, where it all started. And so, Lord, I pray that you would take all that we've learned and all that we have worshipped, Lord, and that you would bless it in the hearts of my sisters and all that have uh, listened, Father, through these months, and that they would grow up and mature into great witnesses for you and to be perfected so that one day when you say, come on up, they will be ready. Because that day might be the rapture, it might be when we take our last breath. But help us to be ready, Jesus. We love you, and we thank you, and we praise you with all of our hearts, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength. In the name of Jesus, amen.